0: Good morning. Welcome to all our visitors, guests, and radio listeners today. Today is Worldwide Communion Sunday. We will serve communion at the altar this morning. The harvest picnic is today. Hope to see you at the park from noon to two for food, games, hayrides, and more. Please bring a dish to share. The connected Bible study kicks off tonight. It's not too late to sign up. The clipboards with available classes are back on the table at the info, info center. And next Tuesday, the office staff will be serving at our daily bread kitchen soup kitchen uh, on Tuesday the eighth. If you'd like to go along, please meet in the church parking lot at nine fifteen a.m. Pastor Joel.
1: I know Dave just mentioned uh, about the connected Bible study, but I just want to once again re- remind you that that it's not never too late to sign up. Um, the groups are going to be starting this week, including one tonight. Um, and so I want to encourage you, if you have not signed up yet, we have books for you. We have spaces for you. Um, it's going to be a great, great study. Um, it's a six week commitment beginning this week. So everything will be wrapped up before the holidays roll around, uh, in November and December. So, uh, if you have not had a chance to, to check out the sign up sheets and the dates and the times those classes are being offered, I would encourage you to do that today as they begin to, to meet this week. Um, also hope to see you this afternoon at the, um, at the harvest picnic, uh, I see the rain keeps creeping a little bit closer to lunchtime on the forecast. Um, but rest assured, we will still gather there. We will still uh, be in that shelter house there. So even if it's a little wet, I encourage you to still come and join us uh, for a nice meal and, uh, and some fellowship time there. So hope to see you this afternoon.
0: Our call to worship this morning comes from the book of Psalm, chapter 37, verses 1 through 6. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong, for like the grass they will soon wither, like green plants they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord. to welcome the children forward for children's chat and while we do that we'll greet our neighbors.
2: Good morning. morning.
1: How are you guys today?
2: Hi girls. Come on up, Millie. Come on. How are you guys today? Good. Good. So last week in Sunday school, we talked about the last supper right okay so before they had supper jesus did something what did he do his feet. very good high five little one you were listening they who washed their feet jesus jesus washed the disciples feet didn't he yeah what does it mean to be a disciple Someone who follows God. Well, once there was a man named John. And John was a big, strong guy. And he wore animal skins and he ate bugs. Ooh. But John was also humble. He was a servant. And when he told to people about Jesus, he said, I am not good enough to untie his shoelaces. In the Bible, it says that servants help people that servants helped people tie and untie their shoes. But John said he wasn't good enough to untie Jesus's shoes. I think that we could say that too. We are not good enough to be Jesus's servants. Jesus is awesome and great, but we are not. We are not as great as Jesus, no matter what some people try to think. None of us are as good as Jesus Jesus suffered and died for us so that we would always want to serve him. Jesus told us one way that we serve him is by serving others. Okay? And we just heard about Operation Christmas Child, and that is a great way to serve others, to help other boys and girls. Okay? And so, one thing that I notice a lot of... And maybe it's because I teach preschool and I'm around kids a lot, but I notice a lot of kids with their shoes untied. Does anybody here have their shoes untied? (laughs) Courtney says Connor does. So, Connor's going to turn around, please. And you know what? I'm going to tie Connor's shoe for him. Because, number one, I want to help him. And number two, I firmly believe children this age don't like to have their shoes tied. I even put it in a double knot for you. But my point is that we need to serve other people. We need to help other people by packing a shoe box, by opening a door, by tying their shoes for them. And I know that some of, my, some of my little people are pretty good at tying shoes. And so when you see a classmate with their shoes untied, you can ask them, can I tie your shoes for you? And that can remind you to be a servant like Jesus asks us all to be. Okay, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for these children. Thank you for their eagerness to want to help and to share and to learn about you. Be with us this week as we go out and be servants and help one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: Lost in our service in the last week. In Puerto Rico, Chief Machinist Mate Armando Rodriguez, 34, from Ponce, Puerto Rico. Aboard the aircraft carrier USS Nimitz, CBN-68. Logistics Specialist Seaman Juan Jose Garcia Herrera, 21, from Chicago, Illinois in San Diego master sergeant Jeff Brier 37 from Oakland Michigan in Nebraska technical sergeant Zachary Fairlack 37 from Sacramento California in Wyoming airman Abigail Maxine Smith 24 from Fairfield
1: Pennsylvania Let's continue to worship the Lord together by standing and singing number 376 from our blue hymnals, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. I invite you to pray with me at this time. Lord God, we do ask that you'd give us a heart uh and a mind that is focused on you and following you only, Lord. Uh help us to put all of our trust in you um and, and follow you wherever you may lead us. We ask you that you would instill in us a sense of, of desire and, and and drive, Lord, not only in our in our own personal lives, but also as a church, that we would we would follow you wherever you will go. And Lord, with that in mind, we also pray for those in our community and our nation and our world who don't know you. Lord, there's many who have not experienced your grace and uh, and are in desperate need of it. And so we ask, Lord, that you would soften their hearts uh, to the truth of your gospel. And I pray that you'd equip us to be your hands and feet to share the love of Christ and share the good news of the hope we have in you with those, Lord, that you place in our lives. Lord, give us a desire to not only know you ourselves, but to share that joy and that hope, in a, with a with world that desperately needs it. Lord, we lift up our, our concerns to you this morning. Lord, there's there's much on our hearts and our minds that, Lord, we want to lay at the at the foot of your cross. Lord, we we ask for your forgiveness in ways that we often uh, try to take uh, take the burden of our of our needs upon ourselves. Uh, we don't want to bother you with the little things in our lives. We only come to you with what we deem as important and, and, and worthwhile. But Lord, your word reminds us that you know even the most intimate details of our lives. Uh, and Lord, you care about even the little things that go on. And so we ask, Lord, that you would give us a, a sense of dependence and trust on you uh, for every area of our lives, the big things and the small things, the things that seem earth shattering and the things that seem mundane. Lord, help us to trust you in all of it. We pray all these things in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward at this time. Amen. Yeah. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much that we can gather together to worship your holy name. And as we now pause in this, not pause, but Lord, now as we turn to your word here in this service, we ask that you'd enlighten our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And I pray that you would give me the words to speak uh, that please you and are true to your gospel, Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Our Scripture reading is very short this morning. And so uh, what I'd actually like to do is encourage you to follow along uh, in your own Bibles or on your phones or in a pew Bible that's provided for you. Um, and we're actually going to read this kind of as we go through the text. We're going to it's just three verses from first John chapter two, verses 15 through 17. Uh, and so we're going to read actually just one verse at a time as we kind of walk our way through the text together. Uh, the last few weeks we've spent uh, talking a lot about our relationship with the Lord and, and our love for God and what that means for us as believers and, and how we're supposed to live that out. We talked about our need for confession and repentance in order to be in relationship with God in the first place. And it's, and it's not based on our good works, right? It's based on what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And then we talked about um, how we should live in response to that in in terms of of loving God by obeying his word and and loving others with the love that he showed us through Christ. And then last week with verses 12 through uh, 12 through 14, we looked at what I call the benefits of being in a relationship with God. What we receive uh, through Christ in terms of being in a relationship with God, which had to do with our forgiveness, our, our ability to know God and grow in our relationship with him. And finally, the strength to overcome the world, uh, which is where our our section here for this morning picks right up off of, because John now turns his attention away from of our relationship with the father and and, and the the positive benefits that come from that, and encourages us to then not love the world that 's what this section here is about uh, so I want to read the beginning of 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 with you this morning. It says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. It's interesting here. This is actually the first like, explicit command we find in uh, John's letter here. He's talked a lot and established the foundation of what it means to be in a relationship with God. And now here in chapter 2, verse 15, for the first time, he gives the readers a command and gives us a command. And he says, in light of what it means to love the Lord, in light of what it means to be in relationship with him, he says, in response to that, we need to then reject what the world has to offer. And it's important for us to to establish what John here means by the world, because Scripture uses the world, the same word, the world, throughout Scripture in kind of three different ways. First is that Scripture sometimes refers to the world and, and means simply the physical creation, right? Planet Earth. And so the world is the planet that we live on, right? Secondly, scripture often uses the world as a way to talk about the people who live in the world, um, and and I think that's uh, the most famous passage in all of scripture, right? John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. In that passage, John is talking not about, I don't think, specifically the physical creation, although God does love his physical creation too, of course, but he's speaking specifically to humanity. Those that had been uh, affected by the fall and, and sin and needed to be redeemed. And so we see scripture referring to the world as the physical planet we live on. We see scripture referring to world as the people who dwell in it. But we also see that scripture sometimes refers uh, refers to the world in terms of the the broken system that is affected by sin not the physical creation itself, not the people who dwell in the world, but the world in terms of the, the culture, the society, the, the the forces in the world that are opposed to the things of God. And that is what I believe John is talking about here. When he says we must not love the world or anything in the world, he's saying that our first priority, our first allegiance must be to God, must be to King Jesus, and everything else must take a backseat to that. What does it mean to... to you know, buy into a world system that, uh, is in opposition to the things of God. It means that there's a fixation on the material over the spiritual. There's a desire to satisfy ourselves rather than serve others. And it's a, it's a, our motivation is, is much more on pleasure, the things that we can get out of it rather than principle standing on the Word of God. A go-to passage of mine recently has been Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, speaking of the armor of God, I preached on this section over the summer. And just to remind you there, that's what Paul is talking about in that passage as well. He reminds us in Ephesians 6 verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil of the heavenly realms. Right? Our, our, our fight here is not against people, right? It's not against... Your neighbor or your boss or your spouse or your kids, right? The, the world that, we, that John and that through John God is telling us to push back against is that system that, that is opposed to the things of God. And so that's what John is is referring to here. And he says don't love the world, right? We often think of love in, in a lot of different ways. We use the word love for a lot of different things and a lot of different levels of meaning. Uh, But I think at its at its core, love is about two things. It's about desire, a desire for something and a commitment to something. Right. And so so if we love something, we're going to desire to have it or desire to be with it. And we're going to desire or excuse me, we're going to commit ourselves to that thing, whether we're talking about a person or an idea or even objects. Right. Love requires a commitment of time and resources. How we spend our money and how we spend our time are pretty good indications about the things that we love and that we cherish in this world. So if you want to have an idea of what you truly love, right, take a look at your calendar and see what it says about how you spend your time. If you want to see the thing that you truly, if you want to get an idea of what you truly desire to have in this world, take a look at how you spend your money and where that all ends up. And it's going to give you a pretty good indication of what you truly love. So to love the world, then is then is to desire is a desire for and a commitment to a worldview that is in opposition to God, in what in His gospel and what it represents. In other words, our thoughts and our conversation and that, that excuse me it plays itself out in a few different ways. Right, our our thoughts and our conversations are so engrossed with worldly things that we hardly have time to think about the things of God. We view our material possessions with worldly, from a worldly perspective. You know, we're, we're unwilling to part with them. We're discontent with how much stuff we actually have. And we pursue material things with a greater zeal than we actually pursue our relationship with God. And finally, we take pride in earthly status and earthly reputation rather than our reputation before God. Those are all ways that our love for the world plays itself out in our, in our lives. You see, Scripture teaches us that, that it's impossible to both love God and, and that world system that is opposed to Him. Matthew six twenty four 24 uh, says, Jesus tells, tells the crowd gathered for the Sermon on the Mount, He says, No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and you love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and so despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Right? Some loves are mutually exclusive. Right. My, you know, think about, again, a marriage covenant and the commitment that's made there. When you say I do to one person, you're saying I don't to everyone else in the world. It's a mutually exclusive type of love. And God desires the same commitment from us. He wants us to love him in such a real way that our that that we reject the the desires and the passions of of whatever is against and opposed to him. In other words, to obey one is to disobey the other. Jesus reminds us in John chapter 17 that we must be in the world, but not of the world. This is actually part of his high priestly prayer that he's praying to God the night that he's about to be arrested and betrayed and eventually crucified. He prays this for his disciples and I believe for us as well. John 17 verses 14-14. Nineteen, he says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of this world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be sanctified. Notice what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying, God. Bring them out, right? Take them out of the world. Don't allow them to have any sort of interaction with the world at all. That's not what Jesus is saying here. We need to be in the world, but not of the world. In other words, we're called to be ambassadors. We're called to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And the only way that we can do that is by being in the world, right? Living our lives in our communities, at our workplaces, with our families. But doing so with our first allegiance and our first love being for Christ and not the things that this world has to offer. And so we're called to be in the world, not of the world. We're called to love the world, the creation that God has made, the people that He has placed in here, while not compromising ourselves to the things that are opposed of God. And John here in 1 John goes on to describe what that, what that looks like in verse 16. He says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, He says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. He lists three different things here that are all kind of interrelated. He says first here, the, the lust of the flesh. The word lust there, uh, some of your translations may say desire, uh, but the idea here is, is an improper, inordinate desire. You know, God has placed desires for good things within us, but when we allow those things to take over... When we allow them to take control and when all of our decisions are made based on satisfying a desire rather than serving the Lord and loving him, that's when it becomes inordinate and that's when it becomes out of place. Lust of the flesh is really anything, any sinful desire that's contrary to God's word. It's not just about, you know, sexual desire, but it's about anything that is meant to to satisfy us in the here and now rather than trusting in the Lord and finding joy and purpose and pleasure in him. Right? The flesh is meant to represent, it's our human nature that's been corrupted by sin. Right? We've all been broken by the fall. We've all been affected by it. And so we all have desires and we all have uh, a sin nature within us that sometimes desires the things that are not of God. And our, our God calls us to not uh, succumb to those things, but to serve and to love Him instead. Galatians 5 paints a great picture of the difference between uh, the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. And I encourage you to read that, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 26. See, the problem is we often, we, we, we make our decisions based on what we want in the here and now. We are a people that are very, uh, very much uh, want instant gratification. We want to experience joy, we want to experience pleasure, right? But instead of looking for that in our relationship with the Lord, we look for it in the here and now, and we make decisions on short term rather than an eternal term. We see the lust of the flesh. We all see the lust of the eyes. This is similar. It's, it's an inordinate desire for what we see. We covet what we don't have, right? We're captivated by outward displays of materialism, right? In our world, we, we want the next best thing. We want everything to be bigger and better. And we're never satisfied with what we have. We always want more. And the pride of life, self-sufficiency, Right? This idea that we can be happy, we can be truly happy and satisfied in this life apart from God. That what this world has to offer is the best it's ever going to be, right? That's what John is talking about here when he says that, uh, the, the pride of life. We're focused on the here and now, the material, rather than the spiritual. There's actually an interesting connection here between, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and, the original sin in the Garden of Eden. All the way back in Genesis 3, after the the serpent tempts Eve to to take the fruit from the tree and to eat it, it says in chapter 3, verse 6, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Notice there the... The, well, the three things it says, it was pleasing to the eye. Excuse me, it was good for food. That's the lust of flesh, that desire for that immediate gratification. It was pleasing to the eye. That's that, the lust of the eyes. And it, was desi- and it was useful for gaining wisdom. That's that pride of life, that desire to have in the here and now what was not meant for us to have. And so it's interesting, the connection there between 1 John chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. We need to make sure we also don't fall into the trap of, of negative holiness. What I mean by that is is we, we frame our holiness, we frame our relationship with God in terms of what we don't do, right? We I don't do this, I don't do that, therefore I must be a holy person. But John is in, in, is calling us to something greater than that. It's not about the things that we don't do. Remember, all through chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2 is all about living out our relationship with God in a positive way. If we try in our own power simply to just avoid the things we shouldn't do, and we're, that's going to be unsustainable and will eventually fail. We need to replace the things we're not meant to do with good and desirable things that the Lord has in store for us. Remember, love is a desire for something and a commitment to it. And so the way to avoid the, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is by intentionally choosing to desire God and commit ourselves to Him. And I titled the sermon, We Are What We Worship. In Psalm 115, verse 18, it says, Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. The psalmist there is talking about false idols, the things that we create and then bow down and worship ourselves. And he says, Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. I believe that God has created us to worship. It's inherently built into our DNA, the very fabric of our being. The only question for us is, is who or what are we going to worship? And the answer to that question, whether it's going to be the Lord or whether it's something of this world, is going to then impact how we live. Are we going to worship money? Then we're going to be filled with greed and a desire for more and more and more and never be satisfied. Are we going to worship power? Then we'll be, if we do so, we'll do anything we can in order to obtain and hold on to it, including compromising our integrity. Or are we going to choose to worship Christ? His Spirit will mold you more and more into His image each and every day as we choose to love Him and commit ourselves to Him. And finally in this passage, it's a reminder uh, in verse, verse 17 that this world is not our home. John reminds us there that the things of this world are temporary. He says the world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. This world is temporary, but God is eternal. Right? So we we don't want to become so attached to something that's not made to last forever. JoJo loves to get uh, Happy Meal toys, right? Uh, From McDonald's or Wendy's or Burger King, wherever we go. She loves these things, and those things are not made to last. Yet she becomes so attached to them. We have a drawer full of them in our playroom. Um, thankfully, she's not here to hear this, but sometimes I find myself picking through them and disposing of them when they're a little worn out, right? But for some reason, she just is so attached to them, but they're made to last for a day and then be gone. But we do the same thing with the world, don't we? This world is not made to last forever. The things of this world that are opposed to God will one day pass away. And the only things that are eternal our God and His will and the things that are that are in line with that. Philippians 3.20 reminds us, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. This world is, and the things of this world that are opposed to God will never satisfy our needs. And loving the world will, will only leave a bad taste in your mouth. And so I want to encourage you this day as we... Uh, as we prepare our hearts for communion to, to take a moment and reflect how have we been loving the world? What are the things of this world that we cling to and we hold on to rather than clinging to Christ? In Just a moment. I'm going to pray and I'm going to encourage you to bring those things to the Lord. Communion is a time of repentance. It's a time of confession and it's a time to reflect on our great need for the Lord. Um, and as we do so, it's also a great reminder of the grace that we have in him. That as we confess, as we repent, as we, as we say we don't want what this world has to offer, we know that God is there waiting. That in Christ we have been forgiven. And that he will satisfy our needs. That he will give us the joy and the happiness and the purpose that we long for. Nothing else in this world will satisfy but Christ. Can and Christ will. Let's pray together. Lord God, I I ask now that you would instill in us a sense of of worship. Lord, not worship, not love for this world or anything this world has to offer, but for you. Lord, we come to you and humbly confess that we are sinners in need of a Savior. That all too often we do go to this world and and ask, Lord, for this world to satisfy us and in ways that, Lord, we know it can't. So help us to turn away from those things. We come to you and humbly confess that we have tried to do it on our own for too long. And so, at Lord, you instill in us a sense of confession, a desire to repent from those things and return to you. And, Lord, a, a reminder of the, of the grace and the hope and the joy that we have in Christ. We pray these things in his name.